Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today, on this 63rd day of 2019, we are in a new month, March, which is the ancient Romans called Martius, one of the few Roman months named after a deity. Mars, the god of war and the guardian of agriculture and of the state. Thus, he was also associated with the cycles of life and death, especially those most tangible in the surrounding natural landscapes of Italy, where the growing season geared up in March and wound down in October. Various Menologia Rustica, or Farmer's Almanacs, provided month-by-month information on agriculturally related topics, and farmers to expect 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of night in March, and a most important yearly astronomical event, the spring equinox, was shown on the March calendar. Seemed logical enough, when life returns outside, the year begins, so the month of March, or Mensis Martius, figured as the first month of the ancient Roman calendar, until about 153 B.C., according to H. H. Scullard in his 1981 Cornell University Press book, Festivals and Ceremonies of the Roman Republic. Thereafter, Martius, or March, became the third month, following Februarius, or February, and preceding Aprilis, April, so that newly elected officials could assume office on the 1st of January instead of the Ides, or 15th of March. How that all happened deserves telling some other time. Suffice to say that Penelope at uchicago.edu will tie much of this together, beginning with a passage from Claudian's Carmina Menora. Happy he who has passed his whole life mid his own fields, he of whose birth and old age the same house is witness. For him the recurring seasons, not the councils, mark the year. He knows autumn by his fruits and spring by her flowers. As March was barely beginning this past Friday, about 40 minutes before sunrise and a clear night sky to the southeast, Venus and our crescent moon kept each other close company, low above the horizon. After the sun, the moon and Venus are our second brightest and third brightest sky objects, respectively. Tonight, should the sky clear enough after our forecasted snowstorm for today, we might just be able to see a faraway cluster of stars known as the Coma Star Cluster in the constellation Corma Berenices, also known as Berenices's Hair. It's an open star cluster, a loose collection of stars held together by gravity. Find the constellation Leo the Lion, The front part of the lion looks like a backward question mark, and the back part is a little triangle that includes the star Denebula. Deneb meaning tail, and so Denebula marks the tail of Leo. Imagine now that Leo would be holding his tail out so that you might see a puff at the end of the tail, not too far away from Denebula. That puff is Berenice's hair, named for Queen Berenice II of Egypt, wife of Ptolemy III. In 243 BC, when Ptolemy went to war, his new bride Berenice swore to the goddess Aphrodite that Berenice would sacrifice her long blonde hair, of which she was extremely proud, if her husband returned safely from his battles. 
So yes, in an ancient instance of be careful what you wish for, when Ptolemy III returned safe and sound, Berenice made good on her bargain by having her hair cut and placed in Aphrodite's temple. The next morning, the hair had disappeared. Now the king and queen were both considerably upset, so the court astronomer did some quick rescue spinning to appease them and to save the necks of the temple priests. Purportedly, the court astronomer turned the attention of the king and queen to a fuzzy patch of stars in the heavens and said that the gods were so pleased with Berenice's offering that they placed her hair in the heavens for all to see. A little over a millennium and a half later, instead of light shining from the heavens, some folks from England, namely the Puritans, were interested in shining a light toward heaven, and their hopes were embodied in a grand undertaking under the aegis of an enterprise known as the Massachusetts Bay Colony, to which England's King Charles I granted a royal charter 391 years ago today in 1628. And today, 338 years ago, in 1681, England's King Charles II granted English Quaker William Penn a royal charter, making him sole proprietor of the colonial American territory known as Pennsylvania. Exactly 108 years later, at Federal Hall in New York City, today in 1789, the first United States Congress, consisting of the fledgling United States Senate and United States House of Representatives, met as nine senators and 13 representatives to, to declare the Constitution of the United States in effect. Since that day, March 4, 1789, our Constitution has been amended 27 times. More than a third of those occurred within two years as the Bill of Rights, or the first ten amendments to the Constitution. Some might say matters are entirely as they should be, that March, originally honoring Mars, the god of war, is appropriately the month when the first United States officially launched its constitution, since we, by measure of sheer military presence on this planet, are the greatest warrior nation ever. Some might also say the seeds of our modern military-industrial complex, which we all too freely develop and exercise the name of running the world the right way, were actually planted by the Puritans in Massachusetts Bay, believing in their mission to build the true Church of Christ, a light unto the world, a city on the hill, as Captain John Winthrop proclaimed aboard the Arabella when first landing in the New World. And what of the meantime and things we have learned since? I've come to appreciate the planet we live on, writes Guy Bluford, a former combat pilot and the first African-American in space. It's a small ball in a large universe, he continues. It's a very fragile ball, but also very beautiful. You don't recognize that until you see it from further off. From Orono, Maine, happy March, and here's to a great day.